Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast, where entrepreneurs come to learn how to live their truth, get rich, and make a massive difference in the world. I'm your host, Adam Force, co-founder at Change Creator and co-creator of the Captivate Method. Each week, we talk to experts about leadership, digital marketing, and sales strategies that you can implement in your business and life to go big. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to grab awesome resources that will help drive your business forward. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. Um, hope you guys are all doing amazing. Uh, and if you missed the last episode, it's with Peter Docker. Um, he uh, has a ton of experience. We talk about what it takes to be a great leader today. Um, you know, really kind of putting some attention on building a good culture as a leader um, and, and what that looks like, you know, as this, these things evolve, right? Uh, Peter was one of the co-authors uh, with Simon Sinek, Sinek, Sinek. Uh, about um, how to find your why and that famous whole concept and that book um, been around for years now. So a lot of good insights. Peter has a ton of great nuggets and experience to share. So uh, don't hesitate to go back and check that out. I think you'll get a lot out of that conversation. So today we're going to be talking to uh, somebody in the e-commerce game. We wanted to bring some more e-commerce stuff to the table, um, and his name is Trey Llewellyn. So actually learned more about Trey because of Russell Brunson over at ClickFunnels. Trey is known um, because he's made, I think, over, I think he's up to, what, $50 million now with his e-commerce stuff, and, you know, he, was, he wasn't always in e-commerce. We touched on some of that. Um, um, with him and you know he is known for actually setting a record for having the number one physical product sold in the shortest amount of time using ClickFunnels. Ever since he's figured that out, it's he's just been off to the races. He knows how to pick the right products, how to sell them, um, and how to um, make money. He's very good at these processes. So we wanted to bring Trey in here to talk about his experience and help any e-commerce folks out there uh, learn how to get more out of their business and sell more. All right. So we're going to dive into that with Trey. Okay. So guys, um, we did, ha- we have some updates. Uh, one of them is when you go to changecreator.com, you will find that we have a new insider's guide for how to discover stories. Um, that's a freebie. So we wanted to just start getting you thinking like, where do great stories that actually mean something for my business come from? And what does that look like? And there's a couple really great and effective, very powerful processes that we share on how to discover stories that matter for your business. They'll also help you grow as an entrepreneur. And, you know, if you want to really get into, well, how do I make them engaging? How do I get inspire people to take action for my business and join me? Um, well, you know, that we cover in a workshop. So there is, it's like 17 bucks and we do a 90 minute workshop. It's broken into three parts and you can sign up. So when you sign up for the insider's guide, you'll be given the opportunity to join the workshop for just a couple bucks. And there's just so much powerful information about how storytelling really works with your brand, um, what it means to your brand and why it's so important. And then we really get into, we do cover on how to discover the stories um, in a little more depth, but then we get into what makes them engaging. How do I inspire action? We give examples and all kinds of strategies. So, you know, it's a really powerful and there's a ton of great bonuses that we share uh, just try to give you guys as much um, resources as possible because of how important this part, this communication part of your business is uh, to getting, um, 
you know, more clients, more customers, whatever you want to call that. So uh, hopefully you guys get a chance to check that out and you love it. Um, we always love to hear your feedback on it as well. All right, guys, we're going to jump into this conversation with Trey. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, what's up, Trey? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. How are we doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, loved learning about your journey and everything that you have going on and just kind of seeing in the wins that you've had and the risks that you've taken. Uh, really cool stuff. So I'm excited that you've taken the time here today to talk with us. Um, just for everybody's benefit, maybe you can give us just a little background and kind of bullet out some of the, the key things you've been through on your journey that got you where you are right now. Yeah, yeah, we've been, we've been, uh, we've been, we've been quite all over the place. So basically, just real quick about us, uh, you know, we sell physical products out of China. We import, you know, containers. We fly them over, we boat them over, and then we sell them through uh, funnels. And then we use affiliates to push traffic to those funnels. Yeah. And that's pretty much our gig. That's what we do really well at. Okay. Yeah. And tell me, what interests you in that? Like, what, what even uh, got you started in that space? So the space really began about seven years ago when my brother was graduating law enforcement school. So he's going to become a law law enforcement officer. And uh, I didn't really want him coming home in a casket. So I said, how about we start a business together? So we actually started a fan page. This is when fan pages were like really kicking some butt, like getting social like engagement. And uh, we did really great. We sold T-shirts on there. And we really started selling physical products through funnels. This was kind of like pre-click funnels. Think about that. Right. This is how far back this goes. And so we are using websites like teespring.com uh, to sell T-shirts. And then we moved into ClickFunnels once that arrived. And we're really kind of I think we're user number three on ClickFunnels is what I was told to to selling uh, physical products. And we use ClickFunnels ever since to really sell those those products online and then built out more web hosting websites uh, that we control. And then uh, that, that you know, speed up the process. But that's how we got started. Yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, the survivalist flashlight was the first big winner. Is that accurate for your first funnel that really kind of took off? That was the one that we call hit the jet stream. So basically it just, I don't know. No, I, I wouldn't say that was the first one. No, I would say it was this other t-shirt uh, that really gave us a, 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 a sign of hope. We, uh, we were on you know, Facebook and we were doing a t-shirt and we were doing t-shirt, t-shirt, t-shirt. I learned a lot from Tanner Larson. He's a good friend of mine now, but he had a good course on selling t-shirts at the time. <laughs> and I watched that course. And what was funny was I started sending him screenshots and we were, we were selling more shirts than him at, at about, about like two months in three months in, which is kind of cool. Like we still, you know, banter about it, which is fun. He's a smart dude. Like dude's a genius. And um, you know, he's like, all right, so how are you doing that? How are you doing that? And so we started teaching on that. We started really, you know, expanding that process and we, it was called like the 300 club. There was a thing on Teespring where if you got over 300, it would discount the t-shirts. So we always, we always set the goal. This was back when like you had to have goals and like tons of stuff went into this, but uh, you had to have a goal of 300. If you got 300, then the t-shirt this t-shirt amount would drop. So we just pushed extremely hard to sell 300 t-shirts. And when we did, we hit profit and then we became extremely profitable after 300. So our goal was always to sell 300 and we call it the 300 goal, right? The 300 club. Well, we did t-shirt after t-shirt after t-shirt. We had ones that said, you know, rock out with your Glock out. We had ones that said, 
uh, Glock paper scissors, right? Like all these really cool, like funny little t-shirts that did well. It sold, you know, five, 10 grand worth of t-shirts in like a two week time. But then we came up with this one where it was like this huge, huge prayer. I forget what it's called, but it's like some sort of prayer that talked about, you know, dying in this, in this, in this uh, pile of brass and whatnot. It was like really huge, deep. And dude, that one just, that one just took off. It, it launched. And unfortunately Teespring uh, didn't have the best marketing ideas back, back then where they pretty much let you run a campaign for seven days. And then once that campaign ended, all the links uh, went away. And so you could only run a Facebook campaign for seven days. And then on that seventh day, you had to kill your Facebook ads because there's no, I know it sounds crazy, but back then you're like, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so we launched, we started scaling. We, we scaled as hard as we could. This is back when, when Facebook had $2,000 a day limits and my credit card had a 2000 day limit. So I'd spend $2,000 and then the next day it would decline because I had to go pay it off. Well, Teespring doesn't pay you out until the next seven days. So I was like, you know, I was, I was forward self-funding this whole thing, bootstrapping it together, but that was like our biggest success. We did $117,000 in, uh, that month of t-shirt sales, which was our largest month we'd ever done. The month prior was 15 grand, you know, 20 grand. So to do $120,000 in sales and t-shirt sales was just a huge win. That was like, we finally felt the jet scream. Like it took off. It was just flying. Like things were happening. Comments were coming in. People were just like going crazy about it and buying saying, yes, I want it. It was just amazing. And so that was, I would say our first win that gave us the hope and the dreams of the jet stream. Yeah. You saw the possibilities. Yeah. Then about six months later is when we hit that flashlight offer. Okay. And that one did, you know, right under 30 million. So a long ways away from a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, I say so. So. Like, so that was a new level of jet stream yeah. that we didn't even know existed. And, and uh, it, it tore us up, right? Like we just, we just scaled it to the moon. And what, so, and I want to dissect some of those things and just kind of dig into it. But before I do just what's happening today in your world, like what's now that's kind of like the kickoffs, like what's going on now? What, what's the big thing? Yeah. So basically, um, I can talk, I can talk about like some products that we launched, uh, last year, which did really, really great. And, and so one was, we always like go towards the media. We always look at what the media is doing. We look at what's, you know, what's known, what's, what's big. Uh, this is when like Netflix launched the gambit. Okay. Which is all about chess. So yep. a great year to sell chess, uh, sets. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if you can use inertia momentum, from other media channels and like latch onto that stuff, you're already giving yourself a benefit, right? Uh, uh, getting ahead of things. So, uh, so in the media, this was when COVID happened. So we, we launched on the masks. So we actually started buying uh, KN95 masks and everybody was going after B2B. So they're going after like EOCs, the emergency operating centers, police departments, fire departments, nurses, dentists, all that stuff. And we took a different approach where we saw a big storm happening. The storm was everybody's, buying masks from China and they're going to be, uh, you know, inflated, right? The demand is going to lower because the amount of inventory is going to expand. And that's basics 101. So we saw this coming in. So I said, Hey, well, why don't we wait for these ships to come in? Cause once these ships hit, we'll be able to go and buy masks for pennies on the dollar, even though they just paid at a dollar 60 or $2 for the mask. <laughs> 
So these masks roll in, the exact thing happens, along with a couple other things that worked in our favor, such as the FDA only allowing six of the factories of like 120 to be able to sell these masks that qualified. So, so, so these big companies, corporations paid millions, multi-millions of dollars on these masks on the way in. They haven't even hit the dock yet. The FDA calls and says, hey, the masks that you just bought that you're importing right now aren't valid. They don't work for these type of fields. They can be sold to consumers, but you don't know how to do that. So now all these huge companies are sitting on millions of masks. All it took was a few phone calls and we're buying masks at 10 cents, 10 cents a mask. And we were selling to consumers for $2.95 to $3.95, which was about, about the market price in Walmart and in, in other, other retail stores. But we sold them in packs of 10 and really like took off. That, that funnel did, I think, right at $3 million in the time that uh, we were able to launch, create, and get it out to affiliates, uh, which, which is a cool market. So like, those are the things that we're doing now, right? We're attaching ourselves to, to markets and then we're finding products that latch onto that stuff. So right now, you know, we have a big president-elect stuff going on. Uh, <clears throat> we have different politics that are going on. So we're latching onto that stuff, you know, watching what CNN says, what's Fox News talking about. And we're looking at what products can we create or relate to make that person stand out, to make him feel like he has somebody like a mantra cry or, you know, be a part of something. Another one that we did was we did a Christmas ornament. It's called the 2020 Christmas ornament. And that funnel, that funnel did right at five, a little over $5 million uh, in about a three month span is about 75 days because it got cut off on December 15th, but we sold crap tons of, I think we did 92,000 orders of those that went out, which was fantastic. Uh, bought the, bought the ornaments for 60 cents, sold them for $13, great profit margins around 2000% markup, uh, which was excellent. So those are the things we're doing, man. We're just, we're just hustling. We're just, we're just finding products, put them in funnels and then launching to affiliates and scaling. So yeah. like, like this isn't, this isn't where, you know, like we got, you know, little Facebook ads running. This is where we take it to affiliates and it's on CNN.com. It's on the today show. It's on Yahoo news, Yahoo finance. Like when you log in, we're on first page, right front and center. So we're getting the most amount of traffic, most amount of impressions that gets us clicks that it gets us conversions. And then it's our goal to have high EPCs earnings per click to allow for uh, those conversions to happen and be able to pay for that traffic. And of course, again, we get the scale, we get the database, uh, we get the leads and the conversions. So yeah. to give you an idea on the Christmas, you know, we did 92,000 conversions, but we also got 370,000 leads, 370,000 leads. We built the database in 75 days. That's incredible. Yeah. So now we can go monetize that database, right? We can do push notifications. We can do text marketing. We can do email marketing. We do direct mail. We got all kinds of point data sets that we can use to go out and build a big business around. Yeah. Yeah. So you would just expand on more of like type products uh, with that audience, like a segment. Of course. Yeah. Yep, of course. We'll segment it or we sell it. Segment it or sell it. Yeah. And, and I'm curious though, like, so for, let's just use the Christmas ornament example. I mean, um, a lot of these things are, you're using the same funnel principles, multi-product funnels, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, what do you mean by multi-product funnels? Just make As sure in, I'm you know, here's what you could buy this, um, one ornament and then, you know, oh, here's an offer to get like five more of them. Right. So getting multiple mm -hmm. of the same. Yeah. So with the Christmas ornaments, it was kind of funny. There's heads. So you, you buy one head for a single guy, right? You'd buy two heads for a family of two, like somebody who just got married. You buy three heads for a family of two plus a I child. See. So we had heads from one to seven. Ah. So they were buying one of two, two of three, one of five, 
And so they were they, the the average was 4.71. So for every buyer that came in, they bought 4.71 ornaments on average. Okay. Interesting. Can and so I'm curious if we can break it down a little bit just to give people a sense of what goes into this. And it sounds like maybe your strategies has have obviously evolved over time, right? Not just running Facebook ads, but getting into some bigger spaces in the media and stuff like that. Um, what kind of investment goes into running a campaign like the Christmas ornament one, where you're making five million dollars in um, in that short period of time? I mean, I just want to give people like, what does that look like? <laughs> you know. It's a lot of moving parts, man. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of moving parts, right? It's not like, you know, I'm sitting behind the chair and, and we're just ranking it in. Like there's a lot of things that are going on. You know, one thing I'll get into that, happy to do so. But one thing I want to make sure is, is kind of like how we are creating our org chart or organizational chart. Yeah. yeah. So one big mistake I learned from the flashlight days was I, the ego part, right? The ego got in the way where it was like, man, we're going to, we're doing great. We're going to go build out a huge fulfillment center. We're going to go build out a huge call center, which we did. We bought, you know, we, we grabbed a 7,000 uh, square foot facility for fulfillment. We had 25 people working for us there. Uh, we built out a huge call center. We had 50, I think it was, it was like right under 50 people uh, working for us in the call center. So we had like 75 employees at the time uh, running that, running that G 700 offer. But one thing that you have to understand about internet is it's a cyclical business uh, for most of us. So with us, we have a good offer. It's a lot of high, right? We're having a lot of fun. We're riding those highs. But as soon as that offer dies, we got to look for the next one, right? And so there's ups and downs, but over an average, it equals out to be a pretty great year. Uh, but the lows are low and the highs are high. So during those lows, you either have to find out what to do with your call center, because now they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs saying we don't got leads. Uh, you got to figure out what to do with your fulfillment center. And because they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs, they can only sweep the floor so much, <laughs> right? The floor yeah. becomes pretty clean. And they're like, I don't know what else to do. So that was a big learning lesson for me because I realized that uh, we have not an asset anymore. We have a debt center. And what I like to look at is, this is one thing when we bring in uh, mastermind members is we look at their debt centers and their profit centers. And we try to turn their debt centers into profit centers. So everything that's a debt becomes profit. So for me, my debt centers were a call center and a fulfillment center. There are both debts. They're costing me money. I'm paying payroll, rent, all the stuff, right? So how do I turn those into profit centers? Yeah. Well, for us now today, sitting you know four years later from that, is we don't have any of that. We don't have a call center. We don't have a fulfillment center. We don't have uh, a Facebook agency. We don't even run Facebook ads, right? Uh, what else don't we do? We pretty much don't have that, that much of anything. We have like two employees running a multi-million dollar company. How we do it is we outsource. So everything is outsourced. The call center, we run out of the Philippines, right? We have 20 agents that, that work for us that receive calls. On a high month, we can scale them up. We can take, we can bring in 20, 20 more uh, Philippines to bring in 40 agents if we need it, right? But with a click of a button, I can scale that back to 20. I don't have to go and fire anybody. I don't have to go and lower my rent, right? I'm working, the, the big aha here is we're working with constants, not variables. Yeah. So every order that goes out, I have a constant. I know this order is going to cost me $2 to pick it. This order is going to, this call is going to cost me uh, $2, right? This month yeah. versus with 50 people, 
I got babysitting. I got HR. I got quality assurance QA. I have uh, managers. I have uh, executives. So just that right there is a business within itself. So what we've done is we've reached out to other businesses that have that down. They have it dialed in. There's other CEOs, entrepreneurs, presidents around those companies that want to that that want to run a well oiled machine in the call center business or in the fulfillment business or in the direct response business or in the, uh, you know, email response business. Like I don't want to manage over that stuff. I know what my superpower is, which is finding great offers and then scaling that up uh, extremely fast. Right. So then what we do is we we lean into these guys for our fulfillment center right now, we'll do 4,000 orders today, but tomorrow I might do one. And so it's okay because yeah. I know for 4,000 orders, I'm going to pay eight grand. For tomorrow, when I pay for one order, I'm going to pay $2 Yep. versus yep. if I had my own fulfillment center, it's not like that. I got that same payroll, that same overhead, that same fulfillment that I have to pay for, right? So that's the difference. That's how we're scaling so quickly inside our company right now is because our overhead is so small. We're a very that. lean, easy machine. Our facility is right at 1,200 square feet, so we don't have the 10,000 square foot facility anymore. We don't have the 7,000 fulfillment house anymore. It's mm. we're really knit close. We got, we have our duties. We know our obligations. We know what to go get after and we do it right. And we use these other resources to do that. To give you an example, we're not the only ones doing this. Papa John's just actually hired uh, an entire call center in the Philippines to answer all their incoming phone orders. So the next time yeah. you call Papa John's and make an order, listen, there's nobody in the background. You can't hear people throwing pots and pans screaming about the cheese or the marinara <sighs> sauce anymore, right? It's all order takers in the Philippines that are literally online taking your Papa John's order, submitting your credit card, and then off to the, to the most local, um, uh, uh, you know, Papa John's place. So like yeah. these, this is the way of the future. This is how things are going is dissecting down, getting small, and, and, and leaching out to uh, the, the, who you need to, right? To, to expand your business at the right time. Yeah, I mean, it's so much more flexible, right? It seems like um, you just got a lot of more control and it balances everything out nicely. So you're not paying for things you don't need. So now, I, right. I mean, is this, is this a viable uh, approach for only if you're at least making seven figures? Like, is this viable for the startup? Like, should, who should be looking at these types of approaches uh, to cut down overhead? Well, I mean, things that that's everybody. It, it cuts down. It cuts down overhead immediately, right? Yeah. Like for for a startup, I mean, you're wear you wear all the hats, right? You're doing the Facebook ads, you're doing the funnels, you're doing the creative, you're yeah. doing the copy, you're doing the funnel yeah. build, like all that stuff. So then you have to ask yourself, what's the one thing that I hate doing? Do I hate writing copy? Do I hate writing headlines? Do I hate write, you know doing the Facebook ads? Do I hate doing the fulfillment? Because I mean, licking envelopes all day can 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 be pretty awful, right? You get all those paper cuts. So that might be the first thing you outsource. But then you have to equate, you know, the time. So a great example that I give, and I love this example. I learned, I don't know who I learned it from, but I didn't invent it. Somebody else told me about it, but it's great. So I'm going to steal it. I'm going to give it to you. Go for it. Which is, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they hate profit sharing. So when they say C is like, oh, I got to hire somebody. They see a lower income of profit. Right. Cause now I got to pay this guy. I got overhead. I got sure. his payroll. I got taxes. Now I got employee, you know, like I got health, like all that stuff that blends into it. It sucks. However, you are working in your business at hundred percent. You can't go, you can't, you can't go more than hundred percent. Like you're, you know, you're at hundred percent. A one-on-one doesn't really exist. So hundred percent, you're at hundred percent. You're like, man, there's no more that I can do. I am just all in. I'm doing everything. However, if you hire somebody and you say, well, 
dude, they're, they only operate at like 50% of what I can do, right? I know Excel, I know numbers, I know QuickBooks, I know ClickFunnels, I know creative and copy. Like this dude, he only knows like three things of that. He's at 50%. So he's half of me. Yep. Half of me. All right, cool. So when you hire him on, now your company's operating at 150%. Mm, no longer point. is at 100%. Now it's at 150 because you added him on, right? Even though he's yeah. doing less, he's doing more for the company. Now, when you hire three people and you segment them and they're all, let's say at 50%, now you have them at 150% and they can do more than you will ever be able to do. True. By yeah. yourself. Cause you're so, only, you're only capable of hundred percent, but once you start adding on people, they will outdo you at a much higher rate. Like for instance, for us to give you an idea, I have one guy who looks over the entire call center all day. He's answering, answering calls. He's getting, you know, Hey, this customer says this, Hey, this customer needs this. Hey, can we do this? Can we lower the price? Can we raise the price? Can we do this big of a sale? I don't know. Right. He's doing all that. If he, if I had to do all that, that's taken off all my time. All my energy is to customer service complaints. So now I'm not working on an offer. I have another guy, right? Who's doing all the creative, the banners, doing the videos, editing. He's out running around, making things happen, right? Making look good looking graphics behind me. If I had to set all this up, this would have taken probably an hour of my time just to set up, get ready for the Zoom call. <laughs> but you got to have people in place so I can go out. And as soon as I'm off the Zoom call, I'm in another meeting, right? Making big decisions that I need to go and do. But if I'm troubled by all the inbound phone calls and the emails and the creative and the copy and all that stuff, dude, your, your business will essentially be extremely cyclical. You'll have huge up and downs yeah. because you'll no longer have to put, be able to put the energy towards uh, the places that need it from you where your superpower is, right? So yeah. things, things fail. Absolutely. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, so your superpower is finding these great products and scaling them up quickly. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Can we use one of the examples and kind of break down just because I'm curious, it, it sounds like maybe the funnels and the, the approach have evolved over time. Um, and I saw you kind of walk through the flashlight funnel experience and things like that. Um, can maybe we break down one of the more current ones like the Christmas Christmas ornament approach and what it, I just want to get people a taste of like what it looks like to operate at that level and and how you might be thinking about these things and you know mm -hmm. the other question I would get into is really do we try 10 different products and one is a winner like not like every product someone has is always a winner right so you know we all go through these experiences and I'd like to share a little bit about maybe things that haven't worked for you, but then break down something that has, right? Just to give people that vision. Yep. Yeah. So that's the beauty behind a funnel uh, is once you find a winning product, it's just needs more traffic. The world is missing good offers. The world is not missing traffic. There are hundreds of millions of people on this earth, right? Yeah. So what you're not missing is traffic. It's not figuring out the next best Facebook ad. It's not figuring out how to be a, a Facebook wizard or genius. Like that's one traffic source. I mentioned all, I didn't even mention Facebook. If you remember, right. I told you CNN, I told you Yahoo news. I told you serious radio, TV, newspaper, direct mail. Like the amount of traffic that's out there is, I would say limitless. Right. Whereas we think that it's the traffic that we're missing when realistically it's all about the offer. The world is missing good offers. If you have a great offer, you'll sell, you'll sell like bananas. Look at the iPhone. It's a great offer. People love it. Right. <laughs> they love it. They love it. So it sells like bananas, right? Gasoline. Everybody needs it. It's a great offer. Doesn't need much marketing. No. 
right? Water, holy smokes. You pay for water every single month. It's life, right? Yep, market itself. Yeah. Boom. So it's the offer. It's not the traffic. So that's the one thing. The next thing is you mission, you know, products. So you can throw, you can throw products at the wall, man. That's spaghetti, right? That's like cooking up a big, big batch of spaghetti. You take the noodles out and you throw it up there. You're hoping that something sticks. That's hope marketing. Whereas you do market first approach where you do surveys, you go out to Facebook groups, you go out to email lists and you say, Hey, listen, I know you all love the Cardinals baseball, like you're all baseball Cardinals lovers. What is one product that you're buying right now? What that, that you love that you like, you know, really, really get after really love buying every time you, you know, you get the Cardinals up. Oh, it's, I love these socks. These Cardinals socks are the best socks. They're warm, fuzzy. They're my lucky socks. I put them on and Cardinals always win. Perfect. I'm going to go find those socks. I'm going to go sell those socks to the other Cardinal people that don't even know about those socks right now. So yeah. I've done market first approach. It's not my idea. My ideas suck. Like, you know, I, I can look at all kinds of products and think they're cool, but no one else thinks they're cool. So I look at, I study the market and I ask, okay, what, what products are you guys looking to buy? Right. Yeah. And testing, testing the marketplace. So we'll do a marker first approach versus a product first approach when creating our, our funnel base and then launching into, you know, creation, copy, creative uh, images, banners, stuff like that. And then launching into to traffic. That's okay. that's kind of the, the key of what we do. And, and is there a testing phase for you? So, like, let's say you find the Cardinal socks. You're like, hey, this seems like a hot item. Yeah, like, yeah of course let's find out in seven days if this like, before we put too much time and energy and money into it, like, like yeah. what's that look like for you to just confirm if this actually does sell? Yeah, that's, that's a simple process. You can throw it up on like a Shopify store. Shopify is really, really simple to pop a product up and then send some traffic to it. That's a really good way to kind of judge your, your market, right. To see if like you're on point and if not like is it price or is it uh is it the marketing is it the the angle that you used and that's we'll pop it on on shopify now we won't even we won't even buy the product we'll sell the product but we'll arbitrage it usually from walmart.com or costco or sam's club or we'll go to amazon and literally put in their address and send it to them so we'll do things like that just to test the product and then if it's a winner then we'll start importing from china so why, why test on Shopify instead of like quick funnels or like creating a quick funnel like that time, just the time. Yeah. So it's faster just to pop it up on Shopify. It's extremely fast. I can, I can put it, I can put a product bump on Shopify in probably an hour for, for me to go build a, a really good funnel. It'd probably take two days, right? A couple of days time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, and, and, and then I guess once you get that process going, you find a winner. When you throw it up on Shopify, traffic is coming from your current list or are you uh, paying for traffic in any way? Yeah, usually we'll just go to cold, cold traffic because warm traffic is going to convert way different than cold traffic is. Yeah. Right? yeah. They trust you, right? It's, it's you, man. It's, it's Adam. I'm going to buy from Adam. <laughs> yeah. Right? When it's yeah. Trey, I don't know Trey. I don't, I don't know what he's selling. I don't know if his, if his you know, gadget or widget or product is as cool <laughs> as I think it may be, right? right. And, and dude, there's a lot of drop shippers out there. Uh, yeah. drop, sh- drop shipper, like, let's make sure we understand the difference. A drop shipper is somebody who's, who's literally selling a product and then they're going to China or AliExpress.com buying that product and then it takes um, 45 days to get to their customer. There's a lot of drop shippers out there. We don't drop ship, we fulfill. So we use a fulfillment center, which is, means we've imported the product already from China yeah. Right. It's in our fulfillment centers here in the U.S. That it's already past customs. Right. And then we fulfill. So it's, it's there at their doorstep within three to five days. So yeah. drop shippers have caused a pretty big earth shattering uh, dilemma in the space of e-commerce right now because 
people are smart. People aren't dumb, right? They know what's going on. So when you're saying, hey, here's this product, they're like, oh, it's probably from China. That's the majority of the comments right now. So you have to hit that head on. Hey, by the way, we have these in the States. This will be delivered in your door in three to five days. A drop shipper cannot say that. Yeah. No, that's right? big, oh, big, by the way, here's an 800 number to talk to us. How many e-commerce stores have a, have a phone number for you to call in? Not many. <laughs> hey, how about we'll respond to you within an hour period, within, within 60 minutes of you emailing us in? That's always nice. Right? Yeah. Those are always record times. Or how about live chat? Hey, we got live chat. You need to talk to a representative? Let's chat right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All those things are going to set you apart in the field, in the, in this bloody ocean of e-commerce right now, of dropship time. Yeah. Big time. That sets the brand apart big time. So, I, and I'm, I, so how do you, you do coaching for other e-commerce entrepreneurs? Is that correct? We do. Yeah, yeah we so, do. And um, so do people come in sometimes and they have an established brand, but they're struggling to sell their products. So what happens when you're not just hunting for a hot product that you can tap into and you're not just creating these funnels and processes based on, you know, trends and such. So you have an established product that you are totally in love with in the sense that you believe in it, it's meaningful to you, but you're not able to sell it. How, what, what are the conversations you're having with those guys? What, what business are you in? Are you in the business to make money or are you in business to lose money? <laughs> Right. So I guess, are you saying that you may need to just get out of that business? No, I'm saying get rid of the product. Change the product. Basically. Change the product. It's not, the, it's not, the, it's not the niche. It's the product. Like there's yeah. just, it's just not, it's just not working. Like you can't get married to a product. There's a lot of people that do. You right. Know? You get emotionally hooked on it. Yeah. They're emotionally hooked. They spent, they spent their 401k on it. Like there's some sad stories, man. Like, I, you know, we're kind of just kind of shrugging this off the shoulder right now, but like this, this is actually happening every single day. People are, you know, out there getting, they, they think they need to go get patents. They think they need to create something new. They get these ideas off of like shark tank, right? Like shark tank. They see these guys coming in with this new crazy idea and they made millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great. But the amount of people that are doing that is very few, right? The show is showing you the best of the best. You're seeing the cream of the crop. Yeah. Whereas with us, Dude, we're, we're picking a niche, right? We're, um, hey, man, I love baseball lovers, or I love gardeners, or I love truck drivers, or I love mechanics. Then we just go to those mechanics and be like, hey, what, what tools are you buying right now, man? Oh, I'm buying this really cool this really cool socket set. Sweet. Where'd you get that from? How much you pay for it? Oh, man, I love this thing. I use it all the time. Actually, I bought two more because I love it so much. Great. We'll use, we'll use uh, research tools to find out where, those, where they're being imported from because most likely they're being imported. We'll go to that exact factory and we'll import those same products, sell them for the same price or more or less, depending on, and we'll sell it to mechanics, right? Because here's the thing you got to understand is just because one guy loves this product doesn't mean the whole entire niche of mechanics know about that product yet. Right. That's the whole purpose of market research. You're finding this, this, this sphere of this sphere of people that know about this product, that love this product. And you're like, Hey, there needs to be an awareness campaign around this product. So let's go build this awareness campaign and show the rest of the sphere of mechanics, the same people of this product, because if this amount of people of mechanics love this product and like are talking so much about it, I guarantee you that all these other guys who are the same person are going to just love it the same amount. They just don't know about it yet. So then it's up to me to go out, get traffic, right? Put the offer out. I got a great offer. Now all the mechanics can come to me and be like, dude, this guy's got a great product. I love this thing. I've never (laughs) seen this thing. I've never heard about it before, but now I have, and I got to have it, right? It's the same. It's the same thing when dude, you're at the yoga studio, right? You're in the yoga, you're in the yoga mats and you're sitting there and you're new 
and you look over and you're like, Hey, I'm new yoga. What's, what's going on? What's like, what's, what, what kind of shoes do I need? What kind of, what kind of yoga mat do I need? What kind of water cup do I need? And they're like, Oh man, you need to go down to Michael's and see, get this, get this water cup. It's really yeah. cool. It's this, that blah, blah, blah. Best. And dude, it's just because like, there's, there's a, there's amount of people that know about all the products, right? They're like, so they're so immersed into that, that niche that they know everything about it. Those are the people that we, we target, we ask questions, and then we launch those products to the awareness groups, right? Is that, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Is that clear? Oh yeah. Okay. So that's exactly, that's exactly how we do it. Yeah. I mean, and so do you find it worthwhile to pay for that kind of market research? Would you say, Hey, if you're getting surveys from people and asking questions, is it worth paying them for that kind of insight? You don't need to, you don't need to pay them. They don't, they do, they give it free willingly. They have no problem. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like going to the gym and being like, Hey man, where, uh, where'd you get that cool t-shirt or where'd you get your, you know, your yeah. gloves, right? They're like, Oh dude, I'll tell you. Or what, what, Hey, what supplements are you taking right now? Where yeah. do you get those from? Oh dude, I'll tell you what I'm on creatine. I got this really good protein. I got these, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Where'd you get all that? How much you pay for it? They're going to give you that free willing. It's the same thing as a service. Now, instead of going one-on-one, -on -one, we're going to a market to, uh, of, of that niche. Right. And they're doing a big survey like, Hey, uh, you know, gym nuts who love working out, take quick survey. Yeah. Right. Tell us, tell us what you love right now. What's your favorite product? What's the one thing that you got to bring to the gym every single day. That's new. Yeah. That's what you want to know for sure. I, right? I want to know it. And, the, yeah. and they tell me, and then what you'll see is things rise to the top and we go after those products. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. We'll wrap up here in a minute. And I just want to tap into just, you know, like I'm curious, like of all your experience now, you have so many different funnels, different products. Um, we obviously just identified that we need a product that people actually care about. Right. So what's hot, what's actually, you know, yeah. going to sell a good offer um, that markets itself at some level. And, but outside of that, like what's the next most important thing. So you have, now you establish the product or like, yes, I know it sells, you know, people get hung up on like the copy, the headlines, the video on the page or whatever, those types of things, the mechanics of the sales funnel. Um, have you found anything that really stands out to you as you know, where we put our attention after we have that really good product. I'll tell you where they don't pay their attention to. Yeah. And they, they don't pay their attention to the most crucial thing, which is their profitability. So yeah. a lot of clients have come to us thinking that they have an offer that's broken. And when we dig into the numbers, we find that it's actually a profitable funnel. Hmm. So a lot of people are misled by math. That's interesting. So I think it's very crucial that people take a, a, a deeper step into the numbers of their funnel, knowing exactly what the cost of a, of a product is and taking that against how much they sold it for, plus shipping costs, picks, breaking it down per product. No, a, lot, a lot of people, we, we see a lot of people don't know how to break it down per product basis. They look at an overall arching goal. And then in their mind, I don't know how this even happens, but in their mind, they think they can only afford a, a, a certain amount for a conversion on Facebook. Like we had a lady come in, she was selling this, 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 um, I'm just going to say it's a nail polish. Okay. This nail polish. Yeah. Selling, she bought it for a dollar selling for selling for $25, great profit margins, really great stuff. She was, she was getting a conversion for $20 and she's like, Oh, I'm only making three bucks. Right. And after shipping, and after my picks, I'm negative. So in her mind, she was doing this math. But what she didn't realize was that someone coming in, the average buyer was buying 2.5. They're buying two and a half nail polishes, which was a $75 cart. 
Mm. <laughs> right? So when we looked at the Facebook ads, I said, hey, your Facebook ads are $20. You can afford 40. She's like, I can afford 40. I said, absolutely. Look at the numbers. We broke it down, did the whole, you know, Excel sheet, dived in on it. She's like, wow. And then, and then, and then a scary thing starts to happen. They start to backtrack of how much money they've spent and how much money they made and didn't make and how much money they would have in their bank if they would have started with us sooner. <laughs> that's usually, that's usually what happens. Okay. We had, we had, a, we have another, uh, another commerce King member uh, that just posted yesterday. It was hilarious. He has, he has a new continuity program for his t-shirt club. Okay. He's done over $500,000 in the last two months selling t-shirts, really great stuff. And in, in one niche, by the way, in one niche. And we, we, we tweaked out his, his continuity, which means people get a, a t-shirt every single month. Okay. So he's, he's sold. Uh-oh. $500,000 worth, I think an additional like 8%. It was at 2%. Now it's at 10%. So for every hundred buyers, he's getting 10 new continuity members now. Wow. So now what he started thinking is like, whoa, I have sold, I don't know what 500,000. I know. I think the average uh, t-shirt he sells is like $25. So let's just look at that real quick. Divided by 24. So that's 20,000 times 0.10. So he, he so if he started this, right? At the day one of selling his shirts, he would right now have 2000 members selling or, or buying t-shirts every single month, right? right? 25 bucks. So you take 2000 times 25, that's 52 grand. He'd have coming in every single month. That's a five, that's a $600,000 a year program that he just bolted on to a system by getting on calls with us and saying, okay, how do we tweak this out? Right? So he's yeah, like pulling yeah. his hair now, looking back at all the numbers, but what's great is, is he's still selling. So he's going to work that up to 1000 members, 2000 members, right? Yeah. Building his continuity up, getting those numbers. Now, you know, I, I, you said this earlier, man, is, is like people were getting started listening to this podcast. You got to think like this, this didn't happen overnight, right? This wasn't something that just, you know, I walked in the front door and all of a sudden we're selling products like bananas, yeah. right? You know, I, I was selling insurance before this and, <laughs> yeah. and I tell you what, I was making, you know, 60 grand a year. So when you hear these numbers, they, when I first heard these numbers, they sound out, they sound outlandish. They sound unreasonable. They sound too good to be true. Right. But I think you and I both know that they are true, right? Those numbers are, can exist. You oh, just yeah. got to go out and work for it, right? Hire the right mentors, hire the right coaches, get the right programs. There's going to be, there's going to be bad programs that you buy. There's going to be great programs that you buy yeah. and just lean into those great ones ask for references, ask for referrals, ask for, um, you know, other places, other coaches, other mentors to go to. And I'm telling you what, like, you're going to, you're going to be successful. So, and, and, and the biggest thing is keep showing up to these podcasts. I mean, Adam's running a great podcast here. So keep listening to this guy. I mean, that's at the end of the day, what you need to be doing. So that way you can go implement this stuff. Cause what I think, man, is there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just a lot of fluff. I'm a guy who loves tactics, right? Yeah. Like, here's what you need to go do. Here's the steps you need to go do it. Sure. Here's how you do it. Go and get it done, right? So when I'm doing these podcasts, just like with you, I want to give tactical ideas. So these guys can have strategies that they can go implement after listening here and yeah. go make things happen. Otherwise, if I just told my story and didn't give you any, any how-tos, well, this, this was just a waste of time and I got to, you know, show off for a little bit. Really <laughs> no, I think you made out. a lot of great points today that should really get people thinking uh, and shift their perspectives a little bit. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I think that, you know, we're wrapping up. I had one more question, but I just slipped out of my mind. Um, what was I going to ask you about that? I was going to piggyback off something you were saying. I lost it. No big deal. Um, so 
listen, Trey, how, how do, who do you work with exactly in your coaching? Can you give people a sense of who that is? Do they have to qualify as certain status in their business? Um, and then how do they connect with you? Where do they learn more and all that good stuff? Yeah. I mean, if they, I mean, obviously if they want to, right. Uh, we, we work with both. So basically we understand that people are just getting started. And so we look, we look for, you know, people who are just getting started. Like, Hey, I, I want to know, I want to learn. How do I, how do I make a dollar online? How do I make my, my phone, how do I make my phone ring at 3 a.m. with, with a cash register when someone <laughs> yeah. at 3 a.m. purchased and I was sleeping? How do we, how does that happen? That doesn't even exist. I don't even understand it. We show them how to do that. And then we also work with people who are doing, you know, multi-million dollars a year. Okay. Uh, you know, we have a client right now that just flew in a couple of weeks ago that did 28 million uh, last year selling nice. shirts. You know, doing a, he did a sticker club, which is awesome. $28 million <laughs> selling stickers. Uh, pretty, pretty incredible. So, you know, we work with all types because the thing is, is, you know, you want to learn from other business models, right? You might be selling a t-shirt or you might be selling machines or you might be selling, uh, you know, ratchet sets, whatever. But the thing is, is like, if you can learn from other companies and see what they're doing inside their businesses and attach just one of those ideas or strategies onto yours, it is going to become a needle mover for your business. And I think that's what every business owner is always looking for is like, what's going to move the needle in my business. And that's what we help uh, entrepreneurs and business owners do. We, we look for those needle movers in their, in their businesses and walk them through that. And that's, that's pretty much what we do, man. Love it. And where do we find, where can people find you? Uh, let's see. What's the link, Brent? We got talk to Trey still. Yeah. Talk to Trey, T-A-L-K-T-O-T-R-E-Y.com. That's the easiest one. Talk to Trey. All right, guys, we'll have that in the show notes too. Um, Trey, I really appreciate it. Um, one last thing, I'm just curious. You've had a lot of mentors over the years, probably taking programs. I know you worked with Russell and stuff like that. Still do, um, man. Still do. I yeah, still he's do. a super cool dude. I've interviewed Russell twice, actually, and he's uh, he's a lot of oh, fun, cool. man. And, yeah. uh, I'm, so, saying, I'm saying we still have mentors. Like that never, oh, yeah. that never stops. That never should stop. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Who, who has been... I guess the most inspiring mentors in your life. I'm just curious. Oh gosh, that's that's hard. Jeez, um, trying to think of where you know, like I'd almost have to say, um, you know, it goes back. There's a really good friend of mine. We've become really great friends over the years, and uh, he's gonna love. He always listens to all the podcasts. He's gonna love this shout out. <laughs> but uh, uh, Sean Lynham is is a great, great, great friend of mine. And he was the man who, without pay, which is which is incredible, without pay, he came and we we buddied up, and he's like, he just he's just a walking encyclopedia of like all trainings, which is incredible. Like you ask him one thing, he's like, ah, oh, this is what you do, and it's like that's mind blowing at the time of learning just things like this, you know, that we're talking about today on a higher level, yeah. but I was learning at a much lower level because I didn't know these numbers were possible. And so he was the mentor that really took me by the hand and said, dude, these are possible. Look at this guy, you know, look at this person over here, look at this company, look how they're doing it. And we can start to do stuff like that. And so he walked me through those stages of steps. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing about mentors uh, is mentors are really fascinating, but usually they can only give you one puzzle piece. I think a lot of people look at mentors for the whole puzzle and they, they feel like they failed or the mentor failed them. And one thing I always want to point out is a mentor is usually going to give you like one good puzzle piece to probably about a four piece piece puzzle, maybe a five piece. And I've had probably 15 to 20 mentors now and each one has given me a piece of the puzzle. Did, did one individual change the dynamic of my life? 
Probably not. But if you add all of them together, dude, it completely changed my life. Yeah. Right. And so they gave like one dude really good at Facebook ads. He was like, dude, here's, here's all, here's all about Facebook. But he had no idea about offers. So I had, I knew so much about Facebook ads, but I knew nothing about offers. So I had to go find, you know, like Tanner Larson was the offer guy. He was like, all right, so Tanner knows offers. So if I only learned what Tanner had to give me, he wouldn't have changed my life. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I knew Facebook ads from another mentor yeah. that combined changed my life. Sure. So I think yeah. that's one big thing that, you know, I, I always want to put out there is I don't know that one mentor will change someone's life, but a variety of mentors will definitely change your life. Yeah. So you got to be willing to invest in yourself in the end, at the end of the day, right? You do, you do start, you know, start small, um, you know, negotiate. That's always a great thing. And, and just <laughs> yeah. keep, and just keep pushing forward. You know, like books, books are great mentors. Podcasts are great, are great mentors. Yes. Um, you know, just to keep reading, keep listening, keep pressing play. Like, like Tony, Tony always talks about and, um, <laughs> Dude, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll become somebody. Yeah. And I think people misunderstand that too. They think I have to get a mentor and that they don't realize, yeah, even reading their books, going to their courses, like that's their mentorship. Right. So, you know, just got to be willing to take those steps and sometimes it will suck and sometimes it won't. Right. (laughs) Listen, Trey, I want to be respectful of your time and I appreciate you uh, just coming in here, being full of energy and sharing all these great insights. I love the, uh, I love your mindset on just kind of like figuring these things out and taking these risks. So uh, really great to connect with you and just chat. So I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Thanks for tuning into the Change Creator Podcast. Visit us at changecreator.com forward slash go big to get access to free downloads and other great resources that will drive your business forward.